Today's episode is brought to you by Sadie Harper of Southern Ambition. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Mitchley. I'm Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. Today, in our virtual studio space, we have... Now, I have a question because I didn't clarify this before... Is it my cancer chick or my cancer chic? Chic. Okay. I was leaning towards that, but I didn't want to. I was like, as soon as you said it, I was like, it's chic because of the post you've been sending me. I'm just saying, I just wanted to clarify. So today we have the lovely Anna Coleman of My Cancer Chic. She is a lifestyle blogger and breast cancer survivor and posts about her journey and all kinds of awesome sauce things on her Instagram, My Cancer Chic. And she is local to us. So we were like, yes, please come join us. Well, and her Instagram might be the thing that inspires me to be like, fine, I will get on. I'm not offended by that at all. (laughs) Wow, that's exciting. Peer pressure. Um, We're going to let Anna tell us a little bit about herself and Mm -hmm. we'll just dive dive right in. in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Thank you both so much for having me. I am excited to be here virtually and thanks for adjusting to that. It's a weird COVID world and working from home means I'm like going from one meeting to the next, uh, just back to back to back. People don't give you any time in between anymore. So that's just the norm. I'll tell you a little bit about my story and my cancer chic, and I'm excited to learn about you all as well. I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 27 years old, no family history kind of came out of the blue. My husband and I were newlyweds actually planning to start a family. We were trying to get pregnant at the time and had just sold our first house. And I found the lump myself. And at that point, didn't really know anything about cancer or the cancer world, the medical world. I was in the best shape of my life. I had been working out every day, eating vegan, drinking tons of water. I just felt, yeah, I'm on top of the world. I'm going to have a baby this year. It's going to be amazing. And then slap in the face, you have breast cancer. And so at the time I had, I always loved fashion and beauty and blogs and just like finding other women to inspire me at the time in 2015, Pinterest was huge. So I had all these boards and I loved like saving images for fashion inspiration and watching beauty videos. So as soon as I was diagnosed, that's where I went to look for advice. I'm like, okay, my hair is going to fall out. How do I find a wig? How do I do my eyebrows? What's going to happen? What am I going to feel like? I'm 27. I'm working a full-time job. How am I going to manage that while I'm in treatment? And I couldn't find anything. There was no one out there like me, young, professional, into fashion, into beauty, all of these things, talking about what it was like to go through cancer in your 20s. And so I had always been really insecure, really scared about like sharing, but my friends had said, oh, you need to start a blog. Like you need to do these tutorials. You need to share. And I'm like, no one would watch. No one would listen to me. Like, why should I do it? And then cancer hit. I was like, all right, here's my niche. This is like what I was meant to do. Like, all right, cancer's my thing now. It seems crazy, right? Who wants to get cancer to be like, yeah, do the thing that you've always wanted to do. But I was like, all right, here we go. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make a website. I don't know how to do all this stuff. But I just was like, 
this is a passion. I'm going to make it happen. I built my website by myself. I came up with the name because I was like, I'm really into beauty and fashion. And I'm like, cancer is just part of my journey. I wanted women to feel like they could be beautiful and confident while going through any kind of adversity in their lives. And so it started out very much as a diary sharing what I was going through, tips and tricks, like that inside raw, real content that you're not going to get from your doctor. And then over the years, it's grown into a lifestyle brand that's more, this is me, this is my family, this is how I run my life, this is like what I eat, what I drink, how I curl my hair, what eyelashes I'm wearing. It's grown into everything. But at the root of that, my mission is still the same, which is this like sense of empowerment and confidence for women, no matter what they go through. And mm-hmm. It's been really amazing to build a sense of community with everyone. And I'm excited to grow with you ladies as well and learn more about your community. But women go through all kinds of adversity in life that is unique, I think, to women in a different way than men. And a lot of times we carry that burden by ourselves and on our own shoulders. We feel like there's something special about doing it on our own and not asking for help. And so I'm huge about reach out for help, talk about your mental health, talk about your wellness, you have to be your own advocate. So I know that was like word uh, vomit on you all, but that's a little bit about me. No, Let's that was great. <laughs> so when you were talking, a bunch of questions were popping into my head. So first I'll, I'll dive in slowly for you. I'll give like the easy ones. So how long you know, ago your was that? Your questions are never easy. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's easy. an easy one. How long ago was <laughs> between when it started and now? Yes. So I was diagnosed July 6, 2015. So I just celebrated my five-year cancerversary, as we call it, this July. Yes. Yes. Okay. And how long were you in treatment? So that's an interesting question. Treatment means different things to different people. There is a term that we say active treatment and then the more inactive treatment. So my kind of breast cancer was triple positive. And so the first stage included a single mastectomy, and then I went through fertility preservation. So there was an IVF cycle. Then following that, I had about four and a half months of chemo. Then following that, I had another surgery and then began what they call hormone blocking medication, which puts you in medical menopause. And the the lifespan for that is five to 10 years. So I was on that for about two and a half years. During that time, three more surgeries then a break to take to try and get pregnant, which if you are on my Instagram, that worked out, but was a crazy ride as well. And then now I'm back on the medication. So I'll be on for probably another three to five years. So it's this crazy balance of I'm still in treatment, but I'm living my life and making the most of it. And because the cancer markers is after you start with the scans and then you finish that active treatment, then you start, it's the three month scans and then that moves to six months and then yearly and all of that. So where are you in that, in that framework? Are you in the year? Are you in the annual tracks now? Because then we're reaching towards the really five year anniversary of like free scans. Yeah. So I was in the, it's, it was weird. Cause while I was pregnant, they're just like, I'm like, okay, when are you going to check me? What's going on? When do I come in for scans? And they're like nothing. So I had no scans for two years, mm-hmm. which was terrifying for someone that's like, mm-hmm. ah, but now I had some scans and a check-in in January, right after I had my son. And then we were going to do another check-in six months later, but COVID. And so we're figure it out as we go. I'm in the annual or come if I need it phase. Gotcha. 
Congratulations on that. Yeah, I feel like the theme for 2020 is blah, 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 and then COVID. <laughs> right? Like it's, I ate breakfast and then COVID. Um, when you were talking and you said about you're on this amazing space in life, like you were doing all the things, right? Like all, I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising, like I'm checking, I'm doing all the right things. And life was on this high and then all of a sudden, bam. So my, the first thing that came to my head is, oh my gosh, is that then going to create a mindset for you of our limiting belief of, oh my gosh, when it gets too big, then the other shoe's going to drop. That is interesting. I actually never had that thought. I think in general, I'm a pretty positive person and I've definitely gone through my stages of grief and anger and why did this happen to me? Why me? Why not somebody else? I was doing all the right things. Why not the person that's unhealthy? And I think the thing that I have learned just like with cancer is that illness doesn't discriminate and it really has nothing to do with how proactive you are. There are certain things like high blood pressure where you can do things proactively. Right. But cancer, like shit just happens. And I think trying to come up with some kind of explanation or greater, this is why this happened actually just caused me too much stress. So I just kind of had to push that out and be like, no, I'm going to live my life. And I, I hate all the like BS that's, oh, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I do not believe that. <laughs> Don't tell me this happened for a reason. I should have gotten cancer. I would have wished that on anyone. God but- has a plan for it. No. <laughs> so like, then what do you believe instead of that? If you don't believe the adage of everything happens for a reason, then what do you believe? So I believe instead that every horrible thing leaves the door open for an opportunity and you can choose what you make of that opportunity. And that's what my husband and I say to each other all the time. I mean, we said it throughout my cancer diagnosis. We said it every time we lost a baby, every time I had a miscarriage. Of course, you deal with the grief and it's not that you skip on. But the next question, once you have grieved and you begin to think about how am I going to move forward? It's okay. What am I going to take from this opportunity to carry me forward? Mm -hmm. Not this was supposed to happen to me. So now it means something about my life and who I am, but okay, what am I going to do with this pain? What am I going to do with this grief? Who am I going to help? How am I going to share? And what's come, what's going to come next because of this? So you took it because I and I love what you said about it's the opportunity to make it like to use that and how you choose to use it. My husband always says like when he's, oh my God, if I learned anything from Sarah, it's the whole life's about choices. Like <laughs> That is true. <laughs> Life is about choices. But it's, and it's about, but, but, but what, she took the no, choice she's, yeah, she's and ta- she made a whole brand off of it. Not, yeah, yeah. But she also took the choice to not wallow right. and to not, to feel the feelings, but right. stay, but then move towards action, which is what we always preach about. Don't feed the trolls in your head. Or if you mm-hmm. have to just give them a little snack and then walk away. Like a dirty snack, not the good stuff. Yeah, (laughs) yes. You have your little pity party table for one, and then you stand up, you dust yourself off, and you move forward. Because staying in that place sounds like it was completely untenable for you. It's about processing Mm -hmm. the emotions, going through the grief, things like that. And 
I wish that Joe could rewind what it was because she said it so perfectly, and I want to repeat the line because it was so perfect. Damn it. It's going to be in the episode. Y'all listening, <laughs> rewind it. Listen to her one more time. Say her like, exact definition because yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. So was it that cancer happened, and then it was like cancer has granted you permission to then say yes and make the choice of I'm going to start the blog that I've always wanted to? Is that what yes. happened? Yes. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Gold star. You like, and I've never heard it spoken that way, but thinking back on some of the blogs and things that I wrote right after I was diagnosed, you just put into words exactly what I've talked about because it was almost like being stripped away of the hair and the, my breasts are gone. I look like a 12 year old boy. So I'm like, who the fuck is this woman? It, it almost like gave me that brazen confidence that I never had my entire life, which you think you're bald. You look nothing like yourself. That would be like the most unconfident you would or insecure you would ever feel. But there was something about that. Like you just said, the permission to then say, no, you know what? I'm a badass and I'm going to put on my wig and I'm going to put on some lipstick and heels and I'm going to walk into that chemo facility and show these doctors who's boss, like you are going to give me the best treatment and I'm going to go on and I'm going to live my life. And I love that. I have never heard it spoken that way. So thank you. It's magic. She has that, she has that, those magic powers. But no, it's really like you, because at that point, right, what else do you, what, what do you have to lose? Like, you're like, fuck it, take me as I am, or mm -hmm. don't take me at all. And that's cool either way, because I now have a new purpose and I'm going to ride that wave. And I think there's something to that stripping process that you mm -hmm. talked about, right? Like, it's not just like stripping of the hair, stripping of the, like, it's stripping of all those cultural messages mm -hmm. that and you And the get. expectations yes. that you put on yourself and the shame spirals that you fall into. Yes. And the, those, you're feeding the trolls. Women especially will, right. will fall into those thought process cycles and those limiting belief cycles where they're going to just feed that not enoughness. And that's never accurate and that was the opportunity where you're like oh it's all right in front of me of everything right. it, I'm that the world tells me I'm not supposed to be right it was like <laughs> and you could there was nothing you could do about it you found your inner divinity and your inner like sensual siren is what my friend calls it and you were like this is my inner sensual siren regardless of breast hair I boom and you were just like you found it right yeah and I think it's really cool that, because I came in later into the, like I stumbled on you on Instagram, I don't know, sometime in the last year or so. But what caught my eye really was some of the, the partnerships that, I don't even think I told Sarah about it, but the mental health and the sexual health and the, the like very real talk about this is why you need to pay attention to your breasts and your vagina and your your lady parts mm -hmm. <laughs> to understand how your body works and how you can relate to other people and and when you're in those relationships with your significant others and all those things, I thought that was like super cool. Yes. I'm like, you didn't mention didn't. that. Now I want her to talk about it. Please share with us. <laughs> should we talk about vaginas or um, boobs? We should, let's just talk about it all. Yes, right. Yes. Um, so I think it's really interesting that you mentioned, you know, going back to that stripping your down idea and this fact that there are so many cultural norms around us for us to be so pretty and so fake and you need the perfect teeth and the hair and this and that. And like you said, you get cancer, all of that is taken away and you're in a very vulnerable position. People see it 
and people know you're going through it and you don't have a choice. It's happening to you. And so I think part of it for me too was the ability to write my own story and the ability to control what that message was by how I wore my makeup or the wig I wore or the story I was telling because by owning the words, I was owning my own story and I got to write what that chapter was going to look like instead of it happening to me. That experience has really guided me forward, like you said, to more of those partnerships that are more real and vulnerable. Of course, sure, sometimes I'm going to just talk about what lipstick I'm wearing and people want to know, but one of my favorite partnerships this year was with a company called Rosie Wellness. And they are all focused on sexual intimacy and health. And the idea that women, like, I can't remember the percentage, but it's some crazy percent, like 80% of women experience low libido Mm -hmm. and sexual issues, but they never talk about it because they don't know that it's normal and they don't know that they can get help. And so this app is all about education and empowering you to like, know your body and feel good about yourself. And it's developed by a gynecologist. And then what we partnered on was really like opening up women to this whole conversation of talking about sex, talking about their bodies, talking about what they need, but they also developed a um, course just for cancer survivors, which I was so excited about because especially being a young person, that is a huge side effect of your cancer treatment is an impact on your sex life. And being in your 20s, I was lucky to be married. So I was with a committed person who got it and we could work through that together. But many of my peers are dating. They're going on first dates while they're in medical menopause with no boobs and they're trying to navigate all that. So yeah, yeah, I love that you brought that up. There is such this romanticized view of oh independence and like that warrior I can do everything on oh, my I own can't, no, I can't, don't even Joan of Arc I was totally that way though I was too and that's why I don't and like then, to talk I don't want to think about it anymore <laughs> because I was so dumb <laughs> and like, I, I seriously I look at it and it's I'm not trying to go down that same but I look at it and I'm like if someone had just shaken me awake mm-hmm. 20 years ago and and said stop being stupid like right. it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help look at what the successful people do Right. Look at what the and successful meaning like those who are able to navigate adulthood without falling down into right. sewer pipes. So, right. <laughs> I was going to say, are we all really functioning in adulthood? I feel right. like we're like on brink there. Yes, bar, yeah. Don't fall in a sewage pipe, right? That's the bar. <laughs> well, and for, because I'm still uh, in recovery for this yeah. and I still fall down and, and revert back. Yeah. Oh, and it's so, so easy, to, but it's easier to get out too. It is easier to yeah. get out for so long. It was like a badge of honor of, I did this by myself yeah. or look what I did. And aha, uh-huh. you know, or even when I was single and I was like, I don't need a man to do this. I just did this all by myself. Like it is very empowering, yeah. but the shift for me and for anybody listening is it's so much more fun and more enjoyable to go through life with people. I did all by myself is lonely. It's like burnout. Like it's isolating. It's isolating. And so I'd much rather say, look at what we all did together. And we had fun doing it and we made connections and we laughed. And and so it's that shifting of what do you want to be the martyr who is wearing the badge, but you're exhausted and you have a heart attack by the time you're 40 because you've done everything alone and it's isolating. 
Or do you want to be the one who's in the community with the collaborations mm-hmm. and making the connections? I want listeners to ask themselves that questions and jump on the reform. She was looking with us. at me so intently that I'm like, oh, I, suppose, I didn't know. Well, because I that's what answer. she's. But her to her, to her point, there's so many people who are going it alone and not having that community. And I, I feel like, especially right. as women, we need and well, God, and poor men are suffering with by themselves media. too. Yeah, we stay behind the screen. We don't get out. And now, thanks, COVID. But in general, right, like even before this, that's what was happening. So you took the opportunity to really step in front and say, look, if you're if you are hiding behind the screen, you can count on me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to show my vulnerability and I'm going to walk through this with you because as you saw the resources for. 27-year-old women who are at the prime of their life, really, doing all the right things, don't have the same support that 65-year-old men with... And it's not, it's different because it's not like they can have supports, right? Like you can have supports of family, but it's different to have support of women in your same age group going through the same, that's totally Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So I love that you had that and that you had that mindset to be like, no, I'm going to find these people. And when you couldn't find them, you're like, I'm going to create the community Mm -hmm. for these people. Mm -hmm. Because when we don't find what we need, we create it ourselves. It's easy to stay behind the screen and be the the typewriter warrior. But do you find that in your community, you get the people send you DMs and emails and and say thank you a lot? Yes, the community and the feedback from the people, my audience is what's kept me going for five years. Doing things as a community, doing things with people is energizing. And I will still never forget, I mentioned this in every story or interview that I ever do, is that very first message that I got from a woman on Facebook to my blog page. I think it was like a month into having my blog and she was my age. She had two young kids and she was just diagnosed in the Northeast. And she said, I've been looking everywhere for women like you. And I, you're the very first person I found, you know, and I still get chills now because it's, I'm still friends with her today. We're both surviving and thriving. And it's those stories that I get every day from around the world, women reaching out. Fertility is a huge piece because there's not a ton of women out there that are having babies after cancer. There are more and more now, but when I was looking, I was like in the deep, dark threads of Reddit trying to find one single person that had had a baby after my type of cancer and to be able to give me that hope that it could come. Other women that have not gone through cancer but are challenged with fertility or are challenged going through a divorce or a health scare. So it yes, those messages are amazing and just really inspire me to keep going. That's a lot of responsibility to put on you. So how do you, what do you do to make sure that you don't fall down? Because it's, it's a, in some cases, it can almost be like a secondary trauma, right? It can't all be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, shit and glitter or whatever. How do you, on a, what do you do to make sure that you don't fall into the depths, right, of, and, and like of compassion fatigue? Yes. So this is a very interesting question. And I get this actually a lot from the other peers myself, because one of the hard parts is you make friends in a community of cancer patients. The reality is that many of my friends have died. And that is a really hard reality to accept that three years ago, I was at a conference with one of my very close friends who had cancer. And we were sitting there talking about the babies that we were going to have. And six months later, she was gone. And I'm here with a baby. There are two things that help me 
maybe three things that help me with kind of that compassion fatigue that you talked about. One of those is boundaries. And this is something that another survivor shared with me very early on. She said, you have to create mental boundaries between yourself and other survivors or other women that are going through things like you. Their story is not your story Um, because otherwise it is very easy to say they had the same type of cancer and we were the same age and am I next? This isn't to take away from the sadness and despair of losing them, but I have to continually tell myself like that is not me. My story is unique. My case is unique. I cannot compare myself. And so I create those kind of boundaries in terms of my thinking. The second piece is creating aspects of my life that are not connected to cancer. So obviously my business is still very involved in the cancer community. I work regularly with a lot of organizations and nonprofits in the cancer community. I have a lot of friends, but I have to create space for non-cancer things. It's been interesting to see how my brand and my audience have evolved as I've done that and figured that out for myself. Some of the people that came just come just for cancer content have moved on. And I'm okay with that because right now I'm in a place where I want to share what my baby's using and what I'm eating and how I'm making my latte. And that brings me joy. I'm not in the same place that I was five years ago or four years ago. And so for me, being able to evolve myself and not feel like I have to be stuck and only defined by my cancer, it helps me separate a little bit. And I had a third thing. (laughs) Well, and it helps them see that there's life, like that the evolution that they can have too. Like you're modeling that you don't have to get stuck in it, that it evolves. And so people that are following the journey, like they can say, oh, there's hope. Look, it evolved for her too. Absolutely. I think those things help me. Yeah. That's a really plus side of the blogging and social media community is that you can literally somebody can get their diagnosis today and go through and do some searches and go back and look at your whole journey and get a snapshot and say you know what it's going to be terrible and horrible to experience but there is someone that I can look at who is on the other side of it and talking about it and I don't have to be afraid to talk about it this is something that Sarah and I are extremely passionate about to make sure that people Talk about things. Talk about the hard things. Talk about the hard things, whether Mm -hmm. it's the mental. I know. And and so when you were talking about compartmentalizing and setting boundaries and everything, like literally I was watching Sarah in her chair out of the corner of my eye and on the screen going, she's going to get up and do a dance. I know. I was like, (laughs) boundaries, baby. (laughs) It's literally. Yes. Yes. She's. Yes. And it's those types of things that we don't talk about on a regular basis. I think especially as adult women, there's this weird thing of are we doing the whole friendship thing are we doing the support thing are we being are we casting little microaggressions that we didn't know we were casting or are we are we like being honest and vulnerable and authentic and is that okay to be and am I going to be judged and there's all this crap that just sits and floats around and when you can break through that and say you know what I'm going to choose this path because it's in alignment with me and it's going to be better for me in the long run Yes. I love that. I love it. And I think I'll just chime in on one thing with that because I know you guys love Brene Brown too. She was like one of my inspirations actually while I was going through treatment. One of her particular, I think it was a TED talk on vulnerability. We are all so scared of being vulnerable, but what we don't realize is as soon as we're vulnerable, our connections are deepened. That has stuck with me because 
it's not just being vulnerable to be vulnerable. You at your life actually gets better yep. once you're vulnerable. Like yep. the connections that I have with people ever since I started being vulnerable are 10 times stronger. And more the meaning that we're not, yeah, more joyful. It's like I get to be myself and yep. you get to know that. And if you don't want to, bye. You don't need to be in my life. And, but you can send them off with love because you're like, obviously, we're not yeah. in the same place in the journey. And there's cool. so much freedom to yeah. that. Oh, oh God, yeah. It feels Again, so good. Yep. Can you talk about a little bit as we're talking about support and things like that? So your marriage obviously had to have an extremely strong foundation to start with to be able to go through this and then now have a infant who's almost toddling. God, peace be with you. <laughs> what it was like as a, a young married woman. I'm specifically interested in what she talked about this, the sexual component, like not to be, you don't have to tell me your sex life if you don't want to, <laughs> but, but I think that's like the stuff that people don't really talk about. No, I agree. Yeah. I was, I don't know. Tell us, first of all, tell us your love story because Sarah <laughs> loves a good love story and then you can tell us the sex story if you choose. Let her off the hook a little right. bit. Um, so let's see, my husband and I met in 2010 on match.com. Actually, I was a teacher. Woo, yep. I yes. yes. Advertisement. Yep. <laughs> Except I met my husband in 2003 on match.com. It was still relatively new then. You're OG. Awesome. I, am. Mm-hmm. I love it. He was in his three day trial for fuck's sake. <laughs> he didn't even have to fucking pay for it. Oh, that cheater. Like you didn't even make the full investment to get right. Do you you get like a finder's fee or something? I I felt like I should. We should have gotten royalties or some kind of like commercial out of it. But no. But yeah. So we met in 2005. I was teaching at the time. Both of us were coming out of really horrible relationships and just like a series of horrible relationships. You t- we talk about you guys have brought up mental health. Both of us had come out of therapy and kind of gotten to that point in our life where we're like, if we're ever going to have a successful relationship moving forward, like we need to change. And we had both done that on our own. So I think coming into a relationship, we joke all the time that if we had met six months earlier, we would not be together. Like we are complete opposites, but there was something about going through that change individually and coming to the table as two more confident individuals that knew what we wanted out of life and knew ourselves better, that we were more positioned to be successful. And communication was always the foundation of our relationship. My husband like pushed me to go really slow in our relationship. I'm the like fall in love fast, like let's Mm -hmm. do this. I'm a hundred percent in commit. I want to get married. And he's, whoa, I thought I signed up for a date. I don't know (laughs) where this is going. He's like, you said you wanted to have fun. I thought this was going to be fun. I'm not supposed to meet your parents on the second date. That's not, (laughs) that's a faux pas. (laughs) So he definitely like, I think pulled me back a little bit. It was like, look, why would we go through all that? Let's figure out if we're on the same page first before we like get all serious. And so we really had this foundation of like very open, blunt, like honest communication. He always says, he's, if you don't tell me how you're feeling, I don't know. And I am not going to read your mind. So don't expect that I'm going to like be upfront with me and just right. tell it to me like it is. And then we can move forward. And, and then so it's like, your fault if you don't. Like whatever right. happens yeah. is then on you because right. you just didn't say how you felt. Because you sat and stewed and <laughs> yeah. were like, nah, he should know better. Yes. He should know. And he's like, no. And then I won't know. Right. Like, yeah. Use your words. Disclaimer, too bad. Yep. <laughs> 
so we had only been married a year when all this happened, but we had been together five years from dating and being engaged for two years. And so I think that foundation really helped. He is always my biggest advocate, but he's very big on empowering me to do things, even if I want him to do them for me. Um, and so when it came to my treatment, I think that was very helpful because he, I remember I turned to him and I was like, what should I do? Should I get a double mastectomy or a single? I was going through all these options, the pros and cons. And he was like, look, like, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not even going to give you a response on this because the minute I give you a response of any kind, you're going to take it as I'm suggesting you do that. And he's, it's your body. No one else can make that decision for you. Sadie Harper with Southern Ambition, one of two businesses I own here in the Triangle, providing expert content strategy, copywriting, and editing services to businesses and authors. From web content to LinkedIn profiles, bios, blogs, and business letters, I structure your content to say what you need to say and connect with your clients. For authors, I'll make your manuscript submission ready with editing and arc development, then write your query letter so publishers will listen. Elevate your brand and save time and money by hiring a professional writer. Email me to discuss your needs at hello at southernambition-nc.com. And when it, when you're talking about the sex thing, like that's communication was the biggest thing too. Just being able to say, you know what? My vagina hurts really bad and I cannot have sex right now. Or yes. being the one to sit by my side and take me to a doctor to say, I'm a young woman and there's got to be resources out there for me, you just put me in menopause at 27. I refuse to accept that I'm not going to have a fulfilling sex life for the rest of my life. And so I think being able to be open with him then more empowered me to go to my doctors and have those awkward conversations. Yep. It, communication. Yep. I think that's just the number one thing that helped. Mm -hmm. So true. I remember that communication after having a baby because I was like, oh, things are not in the same place that they were before the baby. <laughs> and so it was literally like starting sex all over again. Right. And like, I, it was like, that yeah. doesn't feel good anymore. But now if you do this, that does now and it didn't before. You yeah. Know? And it, and I like for after the first one, I had scared myself so badly because I had read all the books and mm -hmm. uh, but I had a C-section. So and we were breastfeeding. Everything was just weird. And I recovered fine from the C-section, but I was attributing all of like the stuff that I read about vaginal births to like sex. Like it was just weird. And there wasn't anyone that I could go talk to and be like, tell me if right. this is normal or right. and navigating that with my husband who I love him dearly. But sometimes when I'm like, I, I have a headache, <laughs> it's really just a <laughs> headache. I'm not rejecting you. And that's when I have to be aware and cognizant and nurturing and sensitive to his insecurities. Mm -hmm. So like, it's a huge balance. And that's where <laughs> I love how you talked about just basically at the root of it is just communication. Just talk about it. There's also this added piece of having, again, the person who gets it, like the other women that have gone through it and get it. Because I met a friend on Instagram, actually, probably about two or three months into chemo. And she, I call her like my sex mentor, because that was like the first thing she told me. She was like, you have to keep trying. The longer she's like, yes, it's gonna be painful, but here's some tools, here's some things to reach out mm -hmm. for. And then here's how you can do it. And then I have another friend who's a survivor that's she's a year behind me, like later. And so we both hold each other accountable. Okay, you need to be consistent. You need to keep doing it. This is important for your relationship. It's important for you to like yes. rediscover your body. And like you yeah. said, figure out what feels good because what feels good 
after cancer or after a kid and your relationship is different, but you got to figure it out. You can't just be like, never mind, we're done. And it totally, I swear, everything in the world goes back to if you just put in the effort on the front end where it's like that awkward, uncomfortable, like starting a business, anything. Like when you're starting something new, starting new sex life after a baby or after cancer, that beginning relearning period Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable. It's frustrating. It's annoying. It's not as enjoyable. But if you stick with it, And you have your bigger why of I want a lifetime of a fulfilling sex life with my husband, then you figure out and put in the effort so that then you have the lifetime Mm -hmm. of rather than just, oh, this is too hard in the first six months, screw it, I'm out. You know what I mean? And again, I think it goes back to having people right out, especially now in the social media space and the blogos in the blogosphere and doing podcasts and doing an out there to the world saying it is okay to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. There is no more female body taboo. There is no more, it's not okay to talk about these things because gosh, oh, let me clutch my pearls and I'm going to get the vapors kind of thing. No, like this is real life, right? Like this is where we can't suffer behind closed doors just out of the fear of talking about it and having people that you can look up to and who allow you to be in their world and say, I'm experiencing this too, or my experience isn't going to be the same as your experience, but we're still going to talk about it Mm -hmm. because it's okay. I think that's a good place for the lightning round transition. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're just going to rapid fire questions and that's whatever comes to your head. Okay. Lightning round. You say the first thing that comes to mind. What is the number one thing on your bucket list? Going to Bali. Mm. Trip to Bali. Maybe someday, 20 years from COVID, they'll let us in. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. We'll have to get in our rowboats. Yes. What has been the best advice you have ever been told? Best advice, just be yourself. Feel, it seems cliche, but when, you re, when you're yourself and you just let go of all the expectations, everything else falls into place. What does success look like to you? Oh, that's a hard one. Success to me looks like um, having enough money to have fun, and but also doing what I'm passionate about. What keeps you up at night? Worrying about all of the people around me. Mm-hmm. And she has a baby. Yes, she has a baby. <laughs> that's yes. true. Yes. And babies don't sleep. What is something no one knows about you? I was homeschooled through sixth grade. Interesting. Did you enjoy or how was that like for you? Mixed feelings. I think I was a very social kid. And so I missed out having the classroom social experience and then going to school after there were a lot of like missed things, pop culture and experiences that kids went through. (laughs) Um, No shade to my mom though. She is an amazing educator and I got wonderful like outdoor learning and learned how to make birdhouses and be self-sufficient. And I I went to school and was very adequately prepared educationally. So it was okay. I don't know that it was the best thing for me, but it's part of my, part of my story. And it's a foundational part of your story because look at how, how many birdhouses you built (laughs) metaphorically and because seriously, right? If you didn't have those experiences where she like kind of thrust you out there and said, this is what we're going to do today. Do you think you would have been faced with cancer and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Yeah. I never thought about it. I'm actually doing a presentation this afternoon to my work team on my childhood. We're all going around and sharing our childhoods because our, our department chair feels like they our stories tell where we came from and who we are now and they'll help us better work together. 
And that's so interesting that you say that because I never thought about homeschooling shaping me in that way, but it definitely has. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that. Apparently I have some magic too. Yes. <laughs> I was like, steal it and don't say you got it from us. Just claim it as yours. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Great idea. Okay. What is something people often get wrong about you? People think I'm taller. I'm like five, two and a half. I, yeah. I would totally have guessed that because yeah. I look because I am also five, two. <laughs> look at things really? at scale. If your life had a theme song, you're going into the arena. What is your theme song? Hmm. Okay. What is it? Katy Perry's fight song? I think this could Katy Perry. Is it Katy Perry? Uh, Rachel Platten. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, that's who it is. Yes. Yeah. That song. That's one. That's the one I love. And I don't know, I get all emotional when I hear it. I just feel like I connect to that song. And it just that would be my song. It would be my amp me mm-hmm. up to come out on the stage song. If your life was a movie, who would that. who would play you? <laughs> okay. In this, in your biopic. Who would play me? God, that is a hard question. Someone that I just love is Charlize Theron. I don't know that she like has any connection to like my life or my story, but she has played such a like wide range of roles. And my life has so many freaking twists and turns. I think she would be able to pull it off like gracefully, but also give the amount of rawness needed for mm. the difficult moments. And I, she's a badass. I was and you're that. a badass. I so, so you know. love that. I can yeah. see that. Yep. I can, yes. Yeah, because she would totally just shave her head and let it grow back. She yeah. yeah, she would do it. <laughs> she would spot totally on. do it. And that she's so gorgeous. Yeah, she is. And she that does have the her. grace. And just, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. good answer. Yes. I am in full agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so awesome. this was a super fun episode. It was. It was. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So. Me too. Tell us what is next for you. Yeah. What is next for me? So we are headed into a difficult month for me. October is just a very emotional time. Just dealing with all the marketing, but then the real side of what October means for me. But I've got some very exciting projects coming up with some more powerful organizations that we talked about, making sure that we're having those real vulnerable conversations about things and just taking more family time and finding myself and what that means in this new, really strange COVID world. Love it. Awesome. And so we know our listeners, if you go to your smartphones and Look up on Instagram, my cancer chic, mm-hmm. C-H-I-C. And where else can people find you? People can also Other find me Instagram. on my blog, mycancerchic.com, and Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as My Cancer Chic. Love it. I love the branding. I do. She has I very know. good brand. Yes, I agree. I thought that too. She's got it down. <laughs> so yeah, so thank you so much for showing up today and sharing your story and, and laughing us. with us and I'm enjoying. I'm not going to lie, y'all. This week, there were some tough days. And so this laugh and today, like, I love it. Yeah. I needed it. So thank you for this gift. Thank you all so much too. I needed it. This week was just like had me down feeling real hectic. And so this was just the break I needed, I think, to like just refocus, have a good laugh and energize me for the weekend. Awesome. Thank you. That's a great compliment. Yay. Yay. Oh, we love that. (laughs) That just made my day. Right? Um, So yeah. So um, if you want to find more about Anna, go to My Cancer Chic on any platform and go ahead to podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts and rate us. That helps other people find us 
Thank you all for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff. You can find us at girlswhodostuff.com and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And you do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 